Euronet Plus Panorama is a weekly review of European Union news, broadcast by our network of European radio stations. The French Council presidency looks to shake things up over the next six months. But what are the chances? In other news, opinion is divided over the classification of gas and nuclear as green energy sources, and there is a chink of light in North Macedonia's accession prospects. Je voudrais partager au fond quelques convictions essentielles qui nourrissent notre agenda commun et notre action commune. French President Emmanuel Macron was in Strasbourg this week at the European Parliament to present the priorities of his country's presidency of the European Council. As confirmed in a speech to the European Parliament on Wednesday, 19th of January, he will be placing great importance on European defense and security, with a number of other key areas of focus, including migration, social affairs, Africa, the Balkans and, of course, the environment. As European Council on Foreign Relations researcher Justina Smikus tells Radias, all countries promise more than they can deliver when it comes to the EU presidency. France appears to be no exception here. This is all EU Council presidency programs are more ambitious than can realistically be achieved by a presidency in the end. France has essentially promised to complete the major joint legislative projects in Europe, namely the regulation of digital markets, a major package of climate change initiatives, and the institutionalization of the EU's defense project integration process, in particular the strategic compass, which sets out common guidelines on pursuing a united European defense policy, reforming Schengen, establishing a common migration policy, and so on. There are many concrete and ambitious initiatives. Plus, in the second part of the presidency, France has promised to launch a debate on the future model of the European Union, to relaunch the debate on both economic governance and democratic and institutional reform in general. This is standard practice. All countries promise more than they can deliver. But we can attempt to achieve all these goals because we are in a good position to do so. Asked if this year's presidential election in France might affect the French presidency, Mikus acknowledged that it would likely reduce the productive time available. Adelina Marini, a pro-European political analyst from Bulgaria, made a similar observation during an interview with BNR but suggested that Brussels should in fact be stepping up to take more of a leading role. In the current political context and climate in the EU, despite the ambitions of the French president, we will not this year see a bright successor to Angela Merkel emerge as a leader. Emmanuel Macron will try to fill the vacuum, but France is also dealing with serious domestic issues, its presidential elections. They said the EU presidency will try to inject new energy. For me, the question is how long we will continue to work through intergovernmentalism, with governments acting as a driving force, or whether we will take a step back and return to banning European policies, where the EU institutions provide leadership instead of individual governments. Beata Zidwo, an MEP from Poland's ruling party, urged Emmanuel Macron to use the limited time he has available to work to restore unity in Europe. 
Polskie Radio reports. Europe today needs unity, it needs stability and it needs good solutions to the debate, not to hurl accusations around or try to discredit a country or a political group just because it takes a different view from the rest of us, from the majority in this room. It is time for unity in Europe. Building unity among diversity is a real challenge, but this is the purpose of Europe. Unity in Europe is undoubtedly high up on Macron's wish list, as is European sovereignty. Indeed, he is encouraging member states to work together on a new stability and security deal for a subsequent discussion with Moscow. When asked by BNR whether the aspiration of European sovereignty was simply pie in the sky given the realities of the global situation, Russia showing military readiness, a somewhat predatory and ambitious China, and the United States continuing to flex its muscles, Adelina Marini expressed cautious optimism. On the Russian side, we have a lot of Trojan horses. We know of Viktor Orban's extreme stubbornness vetting foreign policy issues affecting Russia every time. But Orban is not the only sympathizer, so to speak, who is playing for the Russians. As long as this is the case, the EU can hardly be united and we cannot talk about sovereignty. And when Macron talks about sovereignty, he must be willing to make sacrifices, including at national level in order to stand behind European sovereignty. Otherwise, we are only talking about national sovereignty, which is an aspect of European history that we know only too well. To me, this all sounds rather desirable. It is not impossible. We can do it. But we all need to board the ship together. AMS followed Tuesday's press conference between the foreign ministers of Germany and Russia. Diplomacy is still the path of choice for German Foreign Minister Annalena Baerbock when it comes to preventing further Russian military action at its border with Ukraine. Baerbock visited her Ukrainian counterpart in Kiev on Monday and her Russian counterpart in Moscow on Tuesday. In view of the tensions along the Russian-Ukrainian border, Baerbock stressed how important it was to defend peace in Europe. Russia and Germany both play an important role in our common European home. We have been living together in peace for over 75 years. We have fundamental interests in stable relations. Russia has demanded security guarantees. We are ready for serious dialogue on mutual agreements and steps to improve security in Europe. Security for the people of Riga, security for the people of Bucharest, security for the people of Berlin, security for the people of St. Petersburg. And the German Green also emphasized the importance of good relations with Moscow, given Russia's huge potential in terms of renewable energies, not to mention Europe's ongoing reliance on Russian gas. But we also need a reliable Russia in order to be able to continue to supply Europe with gas in the next few years, which we will need for a few more years as a transition. The European Commission quite literally waited until the 11th hour to submit its proposal to include gas and nuclear power as transitional energy sources in its green taxonomy, a rule book intended to define investments that can be labelled as climate-friendly. Plans to allow some natural gas and nuclear energy sources to be considered sustainable investments are proving quite divisive. 
Experts and representatives of member states only received the Commission's document in the very final hour of 2021. Asked by Luxembourg's public broadcaster 100,7 whether the intention was to slip the proposal in under the radar, the Commission's chief spokesperson, Eric Mamère, insisted that the text simply took a long time to draft. No, la réalité est tout simplement que c'est une proposition complex. The reality is simply that this is a complex and delicate proposal which unfortunately required staff who would have preferred to be on leave to work over the Christmas period. This is why the proposal was submitted on the 31st of December, as opposed to another day. Following Macron's European Parliament address, several voices criticized his support for the inclusion of nuclear power in the new taxonomy. And certainly, as a producer of nuclear energy, it goes without saying that France has a vested interest in doing so. Luxembourg, for its part, intends to follow Austria's example by filing a complaint if the taxonomy proposal remains in its current form. As the country's environment minister, Claude Chormest, told 100,7. Thomas added that he is asking the Commission to split the votes on gas and nuclear. Apart from the power political factors that Mrs. von der Leyen may be taking into consideration, there is absolutely no justification for putting those issues together in a single vote. Experts are expected to give their opinion on the taxonomy proposal, especially on the inclusion of nuclear and gas, by 21st of January. Macron has also stressed that it is important for the EU to offer the Western Balkans sincere prospects for joining the bloc. Coincidentally, Kirill Petkov and Dimitar Kovacevsky, the new prime ministers of Bulgaria and North Macedonia respectively, met in Skopje on Tuesday, 18th of January. Their aim was to set a new positive tone for future relations between the two countries. While the road ahead is long, things are moving in the right direction, notes BNR. With the simultaneous change in the two national administrations ushering in a wind of change. One disputed issue was crossed off the list this week when Skopje officially informed the UN that the shortening of the country's name to North Macedonia is a purely political construct that does not represent any territorial claim over regions in neighboring countries going by the same name. Bulgaria's Socialist Vice President Ilyana Yotova, a former MEP, told BNR that this first meeting between the two new prime ministers is an extremely positive step, and she firmly believed that the onus should be on Sofia and Skopje to push the process forward rather than have the situation led by Brussels. I know that this work must continue and we must continue to present the facts to our European partners, those partners who have signed the Copenhagen criteria for fulfilling EU membership, must and will be on Bulgaria's side. But I say once again that I hope all of this will be overcome. This is a new beginning. Let us support the government. Let each institution at the levels at which it operates work towards the same goal. I hope that we'll eventually reach a consensus. 
But this will not happen if we simply wait for European rules and the diktats of our European partners to be imposed on us, on our North Macedonian partners. In other words, the reverse process. I do not believe that this will produce satisfactory results. In addition to progress over the country's name, an agreement was put in place to set up five distinct intergovernmental working groups that will meet frequently. The general idea is to move the discussion away from the past and look towards the future. Safeguarding the rights of Macedonian citizens with Bulgarian origin or passports will also be a key focus on Sofia's efforts. Inflation is biting across all sectors and farmers are certainly feeling the pinch. Yet the EU's Agriculture Commissioner, Janusz Wojciechowski, is currently refusing to intervene further at EU level to mitigate the impact of the fertilizer price hike, thus ignoring the demands of Spain and other member states, says S. Radio Castilla y León. Wojciechowski addressed the Spanish media last Friday during a visit to his Spanish counterpart in Madrid. Yes, this, this is the huge problem for whole uh, European Union about the production cost, the cost of fertilizers, the cost of, of energy is creating the inflation processes and the, the, the cost of food. First of all, the common agriculture policy reform. This is the way to make European agriculture less dependent from some production costs. For example, the fertilizer cost. If we reduce use of fertilizers, which not always mean that the reduction of uh, uh, production, because not always less of uh, fertilizers is less of uh, productivity. Because we can use, for example, uh, precision farming, carbon farming, this is also the, the, the answer. We can rationalize the use of uh, uh, fertilizers. It can be the way to make agriculture more resilient. Nitrogen fertilizer prices are particularly susceptible to increases as they are closely connected to gas prices. Wojciechowski recognizes that these spiraling prices could ultimately hit consumers directly as the final link in the supply chain. While the Commission says it is monitoring the situation very closely, instead of proposing coordinated measures to aid farmers and consumers, Brussels is urging national governments to support producers in the short term through the use of state aid and ultimately to seek ways of reducing the reliance on fertilizers. Well, that's it for this week. Thanks for listening. We meet again next Friday for another round of Euronet Plus News.